We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Whether you're borrowing for today or saving for tomorrow, Emprise is your partner in possible. Just think of them as your Chad Henney in the third quarter of the 2020 AFC Divisional Round. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you so much to them for uh, helping make this show possible. It's been a lot of fun already here at KC Sports Network and another episode coming at you today with my dear pals. First find him on Twitter at Chief of Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's good, my friend? Everything. Everything is good, but we're getting right into it today. Craig Stout, find him on Twitter at Barley Hop, is also here with us. But before, I, I just have Kent, I need you to settle a debate that Craig and I have been having for a while now, okay? Oh, so, no. Kent, you've taken up golfing pretty seriously lately, right? It's like it's you're the authority. Theory. You're the authority on golf of this group, yes. correct? Yes, that's okay. exactly right. When you go, this is a debate I need you to answer. When you go golfing, do you take two pairs of pants? No. So you're not expecting to get a hole in one? <laughs> um, Got him. Oh, no. So anyway, Craig, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> Oh, I'm doing phenomenally. I mean, we're all back together. Uh, we've had some episodes where some of us weren't there. The others weren't able to make it. We were doing some on-site stuff. We are all back together, just like the Chiefs were today, to start mandatory minicamp. Frank Clark back. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is back. Traverius Ward signed his tender. He's back. A couple guys that are sitting out due to injury, but the major players are all there. Everybody's back in-house, so that's really good. We don't have to discuss why anybody is missing anything like some other teams do. So we will hit OTAs at the end of this week, but we are going to continue what we've been doing this offseason because there's no OTA news to really speak of here. And we're going to get into some more Chiefs opponents coming up here. Yeah, let's let the, let's let the dust clear on all the press conferences this week. Mm -hmm. Let's let, it, let everything happen here with the mini camp and we'll go in great detail on everything we find out over the next couple of days. Uh, and there's already a couple of things, but we're not going to talk about them. And actually, if you go back and listen to some of this, you know, some of the podcasts that we've had, there's some stuff about Chris Jones at, at defensive end already. And, and we'll get into more of that on Friday, but let's go ahead and continue our season preview. And it's a big one guys, because Buffalo's coming into Kansas city on week five. And that's quite the opponent, their AFC 
championship game opponents. Craig, what do you think of the quality of this roster? I mean, it's it's terrific. Uh, this is probably the other team in the AFC that the Chiefs have to worry about. The real, like the number two contender, the one that could really challenge them to try and get a bye week, get the one seed in the playoffs, and potentially meet up in the AFC Championship again. Their offense is pretty well loaded. Their defense is well coached, and they got some stars on that team. They just really, top to bottom, have an overall good roster i i'm really impressed that they've been able to continue to build this group it's a young group it's a group that's really gelled last year i if i wasn't in the afc or a fan that was or a fan of a team that was in the afc i would genuinely love this bills team i love so many other players so yeah I, the quality of the roster is excellent I think the Bills are one of the few teams that you could probably make the case that their roster is simply better than the Chiefs outside mm-hmm. of the one singular position known mm-hmm. as quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Josh Allen has been bad either. It's just Patrick Mahomes has proven that he is better than him at this point in time. But once you remove quarterback, I think you just get a lot a lot of stalemates across the board. I mean, both teams have a lot of weapons. Both teams' offensive lines have talent. The Bills are returning, I believe, all five starters from last year, which was already a pretty good unit. So that's a good thing to keep intact. They did a pretty good job trying to fix some of the holes they did have on defense, some areas that the Chiefs were able to take advantage of, adding some young guys at corner, bringing back their linebackers that were heading free agency. So they understood where their shortcomings were. They went out and attacked it, and they already had I mean, a very good roster last year. I would say it was close to Super Bowl-worthy as it were. So good team, definitely the second best team in my mind going into the season. Yeah. Tried to add a little bit to their pass rush. And I'm sure those guys will show up here a little bit more too. I think that's one of the places they've made some, um, some key additions there, but yeah, I mean, this is a group that there's a lot of continuity on both sides of the football too. Uh, for the most part, they've really done a good job. Um, you know, not necessarily completely overhauling this roster. They've kept a lot of their talent, like these guys have said, and they've, They've really, you know, they've built a a roster with um, a lot of experience together. And that's valuable, especially with Josh Allen continuing to grow and develop uh, under the tutelage of a very quality staff, Matthew. Again, same thing like the quality of the roster. The staff might be pretty as good, very close to as good as the Chiefs. I think it's going to be really hard to call anybody besides Bill Belichick as good of a coach as Andy Reid, but Sean McDermott would be right there. I mean, he's very clearly in the next tier down. And then a guy that some Chiefs fans I don't think have too many fond memories of, but Brian Dable, <laughs> been excellent. For the Bills. I mean, he's been absolutely excellent. Yeah. He has taken Josh Allen. He's developed him into a very good player. He's designed an offense that fits his strengths really well. It takes advantages of his particular sets of skills and traits. Like they've done a great job on the offensive side, not only building this roster through the draft, through free agency, but then developing these in-house guys to fit their scheme, bringing in guys that gelled well together. So I mean, a huge round of applause because when they took over this team, when this staff got there, not so good. And right now they're going to be competing for a Super Bowl appearance almost every single season. Absolutely. And then they've got Leslie Frazier on the defensive side of the ball who has been an excellent coach. He's really gotten a group of young players to play up to and above their potential on that side of the ball. So like like Matty's saying, they're just an overall ridiculously good coaching staff that's well-rounded bunch of former Andy Reid guys as well so I mean they're very familiar with the Chiefs they're very familiar with the way things are done they do it right 
you know, and they've really, it's showing when they're on the field together. It shows with this group of guys, they've really, really maximized their players. And that started with all of that coaching staff. Well, it's a minor miracle. This, this staff's together uh, because both of the, def most of the defensive and offensive coordinator for this football team interviewed for head coaching positions. And Brian Dayball was largely considered to be perhaps the hottest candidate at one point in this coaching cycle winds up, winds up sticking around another year um, here uh, with, with Buffalo and, and both of these guys, both Leslie Flazier and Brian Dayball, they, they could be running organizations here in, in, in the very near future. I mean, I know Leslie Flazier is kind of, you know, he's a little bit older, but Brian Dayball is going to be a head coach in this, in this league uh, very quickly. And I mean, <laughs> it's a credit to Sean McDermott. Like I, mm -hmm. Amidst all of this, let's not just let's not forget about Sean McDermott here. Maybe a few tactical errors, uh, you know, uh, in the AFC championship game, but largely a, a phenomenal coach, a phenomenal leader and someone if, if you're a Bill fan should be thrilled with who they've got. They really should. Uh, there's some new additions to this roster. Let's talk about them, Craig. Yeah, um, the guy that I want to feature here is uh, Carlos Boogie Basham, uh, like Kent said there. They, they improved their pass rush, really attacked some young guys, tried to add to that roster. Carlos Basham was their second-round pick, and he's a guy that has that outside-inside versatility that we've seen has become just in vogue across the league. He's going to help because a lot of their interior pass rushers outside of Ed Oliver are maybe a little bigger, maybe a little slower. Ed Oliver's not going to be able to play 100% of the passing snaps. So getting a guy like Boogie Basham that can play outside on some early downs, kick inside on third downs like we've seen Spagnolo and several other 4-3 teams do is going to be invaluable. I think that he's going to play quickly for this defense. And I think he's going to offer, especially by the end of the year, maybe not so much in this, you know, week five matchup here, but by the end of the year, I think we'll be talking about Boogie Basham really transforming and growing as that type of player. He landed in a great spot in Buffalo to develop. Let's just stick to the same position and talk about Gregory Rousseau, their first round draft pick at defensive end out of Miami. He opted out of his final year, I believe it was his junior year of college football, and he was coming off a huge year as a sophomore where he led all of college football in sacks, maybe even pressures. But then when you went back and watched his tape, a lot of it was on stunts. A lot of it was rushing from the inside. So now you look at the Bills' last three big investments in defensive end, A.J. Epinesa, Gregory Rousseau, Carlos Boogie Basham, that's a lot of guys that have flexibility to play inside, to play outside. Bigger bodied guys that aren't your traditional speed rushers, they're very clearly going for a type at that position. So if they have a plan for how they want to use Gregory Rousseau, how they want to develop him, I think that's a good fit for them. I do think he'll fit in there pretty well. I don't know if he'll have the instant impact that a Carlos Basham did just because he's a lot more of a raw player. But by the end of it, that this is a perfect system for him when you look at how they're trying to build out that team. Well, they're building from the draft, and a lot of their big additions and a, and a lot of the most intriguing additions are are from their draft. And speaking of types, I think that I think the Bills have a new type of tackle because Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown are very similar players uh, when it comes to a lot of the measurables. They're both massive humans, six eight, six nine. Uh, and they both tested absolutely through the roof. So the Chiefs, or for the sorry, the Bills went out and grabbed two of the biggest, 
freakiest athletic profiles out on their tackle positions. Um, they're they're not immediate. They don't need to be immediately ready, but both of these guys could eventually step in and and be you know the the protectors out on the edges uh, for Josh Allen. And it's just interesting because like they very much fit a tight. I mean, both of them. It's just it's ironic that they wouldn't grab both of those dudes in this draft. I think it's funny. Like Kent, Kent slipped and said the Chiefs there. I don't think that that's necessarily because we're used to talking about the Chiefs. All four of these guys that we have brought up right now, Taylor made to play for the yep. Chiefs as well. Like the yep. uh, very similar types of players that they are targeting. We talked about Tommy Doyle plenty. We talked about Spencer Brown plenty lead up to the draft as well as Rousseau and Boogie Basham. So it's just funny. Like now talking about these players all landing in the same spot. These are guys that we were looking at for the Chiefs to add as potential impact players as well. And didn't yeah. Kent just talk about how their coaching staff maybe comes from the Andy Reid tree or something like that? Oh, wow. Hmm. Look at the symmetry there. Remarkable. Uh, okay, players to watch. And I I hate copying out all the time and talking about the quarterback, but I also... It's your thing. <laughs> Sometimes, man, sometimes I just love talking about these dudes. And Josh Allen is a guy I love talking about. And Maddie made a great point and passively slandered Josh Allen just a little bit. Uh, talk oh, about the roster. Too. the roster. The <laughs> roster. The roster is <laughs> phenomenal. And Josh Allen played very good football and shut a lot of people up. I don't even think my Josh Allen receipts are particularly good, but I very much have enjoyed watching his development. That's partly Brian Dable, but that's partly just Josh Allen. Josh Allen has taken it upon himself to become a very good one and one of the better AFC quarterbacks. And that's just point blank. But you saw the gap last year and you saw, you know, him and his development was pretty, you know, it was, it had a lot to do with, you know, that, that, that last game was tough for him. And it's going to be fascinating to see his growth and development going from that experience to now. Can he close the gap between him and Patrick LeVon Mahomes enough to make things interesting in the AFC? These are the, very clearly to me the front runners to, to, to unseat the Chiefs if anybody's going to do it. And it all still, it's all going to fall on Josh Allen, even though the supporting cast is phenomenal. My guy, Maddie, I'm sorry, I'm taking your guy, Stefan Diggs. I I love talking about Art. Stephon Diggs. I he is arguably my favorite wide receiver in the NFL. And the last time that we saw him, he was standing just outside of the visitors tunnel at Arrowhead Stadium watching the Chiefs celebrate on the field, celebrating that AFC Championship game, you know, searing it into his brain. Not that that man needs any more of a chip on his shoulder or any more motivation. That man plays with an Orlando Brown size chip on his shoulder. So he's going to show up and be just, I, I think, the best version that we've seen of him. And his ability to gel with Josh Allen is going to be great. Uh, you know, adapting to this offense in another year with Brian Dable is going to be great. He can do everything take the top off the defense, he can do everything underneath, he can route dudes up. Like, if this offense is going to be as good as I think we all expect that the Buffalo Bills offense is going to be, you're going to be talking about Stefan Diggs as the best wide receiver in the NFL next year, potentially. So he's the guy that I'm paying attention to all year long for the Bills. 
I just want to take a peek behind the curtain real quick and just like, I want to ask you, Craig, who do you think was searing that moment more? Stefan Diggs trying to pretend, like want to will himself to be celebrating after the AFC championship next year or Kent reveling in Stefan Diggs, not winning the game. <laughs> because it was I don't think our Kent. listeners know. Kent it was does not like, Kent. yeah, Kent is not a Stefan Diggs fan. Like I, we've had some heated debates, not on our podcast where Kent has laid down some very near Derek Carr level slander okay. on I, Stephon Diggs. You want to know something? Minnesota by Minnesota Stephon Diggs was obnoxious a little bit to me. <laughs> I kind of like Buffalo Stephon Diggs. I'll I'll own the L. I'll catch the L. There's okay. probably a little bit of in the back of my mind that's still laughing a little bit, but uh yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's good. Um, my guy to watch is the defense. I need somebody on this defense to step up who on this defense is going to step up and be the guy to actually challenge Patrick Mahomes on the field, which player is going to step up and provide the hurdle, the person that is going to slow down Patrick Mahomes. Is it going to be a coach? Is it going to be Leslie Frazier? Is Tremaine Edmonds finally going to take that final step to become this just all pro level linebacker? Tredavious white is obviously great, but the way that system is run with so much zone coverage, it's really hard to take over a game as a zone centered cornerback, especially one that doesn't have the best physical profile like Tredavious white does. So who, who on this defense is going to step up and give you the Chris Jones moments, the Frank Clark moments during the chief Super Bowl run. Who's it going to be? Cause this defense needs somebody. Time to ask the question we've been asking about all these teams and it's a this is a big one. How do the Buffalo Bills beat the Chiefs, Maddie? Well, I think I started it right there. It's you can't be out coached. They were very clearly out coached last year in both games. The first game, I know there was a lot of talk about how it was raining or something, and that threw the Bills off, but the Chiefs ran the ball all over them. They clearly had a better game plan than the Bills had going into it. Josh Allen found some success running the ball, and that was about it until late in the game. The playoff game didn't go much better. Allen constantly looked just flummoxed by what Steve Spagnuolo was throwing at him. And then defensively, they had nothing to stop the Chiefs either time. They can't be outcoached if they even want to have a chance because Patrick Mahomes is still the best player on the field. They're close as a total team, but they got outcoached in almost every facet last year in both matchups. It's all about the gap between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. How much has Josh Allen closed the gap this year? If Josh Allen can, you know, elevate himself and make himself a little bit better this offseason, so that he can provide a little bit more consistency, not get so rushed in some of those big moments, some of those big third downs. If he can keep some composure to make some of the plays necessary to extend drives and score points, that's how the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the Chiefs. It's all about how Josh Allen responds this offseason to the challenge that was presented to him after getting dunked on in the AFC championship game. It's about playing mistake-free football. If Josh Allen and those running backs can keep from turning the ball over, they have the firepower to hang with the Kansas City Chiefs. They really do. So whoever flinches first, like that's what it's going to be. So if Buffalo can play clean football, I think they got just as much of a shot as anybody else in the AFC. All right, who is the Chiefs MVP against the Buffalo Bills? I am going to go. Let's just get Jaron Reed out here because we need to give Jaron Reed a little bit of love, and he hasn't gotten a little yeah. bit of any, any love yet. We're just going to throw this one out here. 
interior pressure, a guy, you know, stable in the middle of the field. He's obviously going to be profiled a little bit differently than I think we all anticipate because of the Chris Jones news. Um, a guy creating interior pressure, uh, affecting Josh Allen quickly, uh, or affecting Josh Allen with the methodical approach to the quarterback. Sorry, I, I said quickly, but really it's just getting to that quarterback. Maybe he doesn't win with the quick pressure, but Josh Allen trying to extend plays. Here comes Jaron Reed. Tyron Matthew. Like I said, just said, Josh Allen has to play mistake-free football. He can't be throwing late in the middle of the field where Tyron Matthews is going to be waiting. Spagnuolo is going to have to throw some extra stuff because I believe this offense is going to be humming before they come in and they play the Chiefs in week five. But this is where we are. Tyron Matthews is going to step up, pick a ball off. I think it's going to be the tide-turning play amongst an offensive output. I think the Bills' defense is good enough to present some challenges for the Chiefs, but one thing they have not been able to find an answer for is Travis Kelsey. And if you're <laughs> going to run a ton of zone coverage, guess who's the best player in the entire NFL at destroying zone coverage? Travis Kelsey. He had, what, 13 catches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns versus them in the playoffs. They had no answer, despite Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds both being on the field. I don't think the Bills have an answer for Kelsey you can't play zone against him and expect to slow him down. So just mark another one down for Travis Kelsey as the Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP. Really original, Maddie. Week six, the Chiefs travel to play the Washington football team without Alex Smith. That would have been nice to have, but that's okay. Uh, let's talk about the quality of the roster, Craig. Yeah, it's an interesting roster. Um, I think they've, I mean, it really is. What a really nice is. way of I, saying it. it. Yeah. I mean, they've got a ridiculously good defensive line, like an absolutely great defensive line. I think they've got some defensive pieces that have really played well. Kendall Fuller, in his return to Washington last year, played very well. They added William Jackson on the outside. So I think that that secondary is actually going to make some strides forward. I mean, Terry McLaurin is a phenomenal player that I've really enjoyed watching. They've got some decent running backs as well. Antonio Gibson was a breakout guy last year, but they're going to be held up at the quarterback position. You know, it's kind of in turmoil. Ryan Fitzpatrick is there. While we all love Fitzmagic, trust me, we absolutely adore the man on so many different levels. <laughs> I'm, I'm aspiring to be like him right now, but He's just not the guy that you want being the the sole franchise quarterback for your organization. So I just have a lot of questions about what they're going to be doing there. And I think that that offense might struggle a little bit this year because of the way that this roster has been built. Man, I absolutely love this roster. And it, it, if you remove quarterback from this, like this roster is one of the most fun in the entire NFL to me. I do think there's some questions along the offensive line. Like, I think there's some talent there. Charles Leno is a good guy they brought in, quality left tackle. They still have Brandon Scherf. Like, they have some guys in the offensive line that are good, but there are some question marks. But once you get past that and the quarterback, I love just about every other position. There's young talent at every single position. There's guys locked up for long periods of time. They have this roster is set to compete in the future as soon as they fill that massive hole at quarterback. But when you start looking through this roster and you look at what they were able to do with Taylor Heineke in the playoffs last year, and now you upgrade that to Ryan Fitzpatrick, like I do think that's a very clear upgrade. 
this team's going to be feisty again. That defense is going to be, that defense got better than it was last year, just from the experience of the young guys and some of the guys they were able to bring in or get in the draft. So this team should be better than they were last year. They added a lot of pieces. I'm really excited to watch this team. They're bordering on that Bills team of three years ago where everybody said they were really fun and everybody wanted to tune in to watch them play. Then they finally broke through. I really do see this team following in those footsteps. Yeah, their defensive line's exceptional, and I think the back seven makes sense. I like I like how the pieces mm-hmm. fit in the back seven of their defense, and they went out and we'll talk. I'm, there's a guy we'll, we'll probably someone will probably talk about here getting some athleticism at the second level of their defense, and um, I do think a lot of the pieces make a lot of sense and fit. There is a ton of skill talent. I had, I still have questions about their offensive line, uh, Charles Leno and Brandon Scherf, uh, notwithstanding. Um, but the yeah, I mean the the skill the skill pieces are very interesting, and there's a lot of interesting pieces on this roster. <laughs> the quarterback fits magic. I mean, it's pretty. It's just you can't. I don't know. I don't love the idea of going into an offseason planning on Ryan Fitzpatrick being your guy and trying to compete. Like I just, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. Uh, the quality make, of the make staff. No mistake. Oh, make no mistake. I love going in to the Chiefs offseason, knowing that Ryan Fitzpatrick is my backup quarterback, though. Come, hey. come home, Ryan. Come home. Come hey, home. That would be you a know really... Home is Kansas City. Could you, you imagine know. Could you imagine the first preseason game? Oh, my goodness. Of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Arrowhead. Oh, Arrowhead would be going crazy just for winning that game a couple years ago. In the right. Under, under 3,000 people dressing up like him to attend that game. Oh. I will grow my beard out until that moment just so I can mirror <laughs> what he's doing here. We're, it's, it's, it's early. It's, it's the third series of the game. And Patrick Mahomes puts the, puts the earbud in. And you just hear, now in it, quarterback. And just an eruption. Starting at the third level of Arrowhead, pouring down <laughs> upon Ryan Fitzmagic. They have to pause the game. They have to pause a preseason game. Oh, to just oh, to, to honor to honor a Kansas City legend that gave the Chiefs the one seed in route to their World Championship. I, <laughs> I kind of I kind of need this to happen. I really <laughs> kind of need this to happen. Um, okay, Poor Chad Henney. You know, Chad. Chad's Chad's a hero in his own right. He's he a hero only in his won own a right. playoff game for the Chiefs. No big Let, deal, guys. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's just be honest. Brian Fitzpatrick will play until he's fifty, and Chad Henney will be retiring in the next few years. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is like this is like no, mid I'm talking, Mahomes I'm five six years from this now. is mid yeah. Mahomes contract is what we're yeah. talking about here. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be playing forever. That's part of the Fitz magic. Quality. Do you know he went to Harvard. I did it. Do you know? I don't know where uh, Ron Rivera uh, went to college either, but he's the head coach of this team, and I've been trying to transition to the quality of staff for the last five minutes, Maddie. <laughs> and I think your transition perfectly encompasses how I feel about Ron Rivera. Like I like a lot of what was there. It was a good process, but at the same time, you know, just eh, left me wanting a little <laughs> bit more. And that's how I feel about Ron Rivera as a head coach. A lot of experience with him being the coach of the Carolina Panthers. I've been living here for a while. And he's a, he's a lot of fun. I, I would think he gets his players to play really hard. Everyone believes in him. He is a great guy to have in the locker room. He's even good during the games. He balances a relatively conservative 
game plan, a relatively conservative team building process with some challenges that he takes off in the middle of the game. He was Riverboat Ron is his nickname for a reason. But at the same time, he does tend to fall short in some big moments a lot in terms of his game script, his play calling. So I like him in terms of rebuilding this team up. I think if you're looking through this roster, like I already said, they're on the precipice of becoming a really fun team. I think he's played a huge part of that. Unfortunately, I don't know if he's the guy to take them all the way home like Sean McDermott has kind of been for the Bills because I think there's just a few too many flaws when the pressure's turned up on game day. Do you know who I don't think is the right guy? Jack Del Rio. Like, <laughs> I just don't. I I have never really loved a lot of Jack Del Rio's defenses. They seem to have been carried by quality players. Now, that being said, they do have a lot of quality players. Like, I don't think that this is going to be a bottom rung defense by any way, shape, or form. So don't take it that way. I just don't know that he's the guy that's going to maximize the young players. And they do have a lot of young players on defense. A lot of guys that are on the precipice of maybe taking that next step. I don't know that Del Rio is that guy. I don't know that he's going to be the guy that's going to show up week in and week out with the perfect games game script and the perfect calls, the perfect game adjustments that we've seen throughout the years from, you know, good defensive coordinators. I don't know that Jack Del Rio is that guy. He's been out of football now essentially for four years. This is so he's been gone for a while and he hasn't been the defensive coordinator for even further beyond that for a team. He was a head coach of the Raiders last. So he is going to have to reintegrate himself into some offenses here. He He's going to see Patrick Mahomes for the first time, you know, in, in this game. And that's that's scary for anybody. I just don't know that I trust this defense at the helm of Jack Del Rio. I like how Ron Rivera went to a Super Bowl as a 15-1 football team, and he's gone farther than Sean McDermott. We're just going to slander I I think when did he get back though like there was that team had a lot of flaws and a lot of things happened to assist that team get to the Super Bowl and then we saw what happened in the Super Bowl they got bopped but they also were 15 and one uh let's just go ahead and talk about the new edition because I don't really have the energy to fight about Ron Rivera but let's talk about a let's talk about a new edition Matt Oh, there's so many options to choose from for this team. And there really is. I'm going to have to go with Curtis Samuel. He followed Ron Rivera from the Carolina Panthers Mm -hmm. to the Washington football team. And I actually think he might be the perfect guy to pair with Terry McLaurin because I, a lot of people probably see what Terry McLaurin does, his speed, the way he runs routes. And you were thinking about putting a bigger possession receiver with him. I disagree. I think McLaurin excels in that possession receiver role. I think he plays very similar to Stefan Diggs. He can run the vertical route tree and he's good at it, but he really excels at this route running, eating up ground on the intermediate stuff. So bring in Curtis Samuel to run out of the slot, to run a lot of the gadgety gimmick kind of plays and then get down the field. He's shown he can play on the outside a little bit. He's really the best out of the slot. And I think it gives them a little bit more of a safety blanket and a guy to get out in space. I think the amount of stress that Samuel paired with McLaurin is going to put on a defense both vertically and horizontally is through the roof. I think it's just a great pairing of those two giving Fitz magic, all the options in the world. The, uh, the Washington football team had a strong pass defense. I would say largely because of their pass rush, but they went and made a strength to strength and added William Jackson from Cincinnati, a guy we've talked about a few times uh, here. Uh, just, 
about trade candidate or or even free agency at one point, I believe. And now William Jackson in the mix here for Washington, continuing to build. I I, I really like. I kind of said I, I like the pieces and I like how they fit for Washington. William Jackson, uh, a good zone corner. He'll have a lot of success there. Um, he'll get to uh, he'll get to play behind an exceptional pass rush. I like this for him. I like this for Washington. Good football player in the mix there for Washington. I mean, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this guy that the Washington football team drafted last year, John Bates, tight end out of Boise State. And I'm not joking. I I am not joking with this. Washington ran a lot of 12 personnel last year, and we got to see Logan Thomas really take off. John Bates is a guy that I was very impressed with as a blocking tight end we got to see him at the senior bowl i thought he was pretty good as a blocking tight end he had some hands we got to see him flash a little bit i think he's going to get on the field for him and i think he's going to be a potential red zone threat because like all these guys have talked about there are a lot of weapons on this washington football team i think you're going to see a lot of times where they're going to play a lot of 11 personnel and then when it tightens up in the red zone they're going to want to put in some heavy personnel. John Bates is going to be the guy on the field. I Just maybe a deep, deep, deep sleeper for some of you fantasy guys as, as a tight end there. Yeah, you're going to talk Washington football team tight end and pick Bates over Deion Yelder or Ricky Seals-Jones? <laughs> Ex-Kansas City Chiefs? Revenge game? I mean... No, this is he's the new addition that I'm 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 thinking that it's gonna be. It's gonna be John. Did you think I was gonna say Jameen Davis? No, I thought you were gonna oh, say no, Seals no, Jones. No, not not, J- not Jameen Davis. No. He might feel the same as Le'Veon Bell. We don't know. Oh it's, no, I hope not. It's not gonna be a revenge game because Yelder and Seals Jones aren't gonna be on the 53-man <laughs> roster by then. <laughs> I'm sorry. Players to watch. And I am going to go with a guy that I'm going to flex on a little bit just because I projected Antonio Gibson to be a running back when I watched him in Mobile, even though he played a lot in the slot and got limited carries. And my guy succeeded as a running back. Uh, And I think he's still figuring out. I still think he's got a lot of untapped potential. I think he's a guy um, that has a versatile skill set. Very obviously, he can catch the ball more naturally than 95% of most running backs. I don't think he's been fully realized. I think he, uh, as a pass catcher, and I think he could be with Ryan Fitzmagic, uh, you know, working down to him a little bit. So I really like the idea of Antonio Gibson continuing to progress and grow both run and pass. He's my player to watch. My player to watch is Chase Young. Uh, he had seven and a half sacks in his rookie year, 24 pressures. He was a monster off the edge, especially as the year progressed. I think you saw him make those strides. You know, he did not get the offseason like a lot of these rookies, you know, similar to a lot of the rookies last year. This is going to be a full offseason, a full weight room for him. I want to see what Chase Young has because I think he is the type of player that's going to be vaulted up into that upper echelon of pass rusher within his rookie deal. Is this the year that he makes that step and actually gets to that point? Or is it going to be next year? Because if he makes that step and defenses has to shift, now all of a sudden you're talking about a defensive line that went from just scary to ridiculously scary because (laughs) you can't single block some of these guys. And now all of a sudden you have to devote full-time attention to Chase Young. 
there's there's so many options on this team. Do I want to watch Jonathan Allen, who might be the most underrated defensive lineman in the entire NFL, or his teammate, Matt Ioannidis, who has held the crown for the most underrated defensive lineman in the NFL for the past <laughs> three years? Do I want to watch Benjamin St. Juice, rookie cornerback out of Minnesota, who might get some outside CB reps when Kendall Fuller kicks into the nickel? There's a ton of guys on this roster that I want to watch. I guess I have to mention and focus on the entire wide receiver room. We've already talked about Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin a little bit, but I love Kelvin Harmon coming into the draft a couple years ago. Big bodied receiver, didn't pass the athleticism test, but he still had some success as a rookie for the Washington football team. Cam Sims, another massive bodied receiver, made some big plays in the playoffs. You now add in Diami Brown, who I think we were all three big fans of on the vertical plane. They have weapons and the sleeper, Dax Milne, I don't know how to pronounce his name out of BYU, but he made Zach, what, Craig? I, you you just, uh, it wasn't me this week. Yeah, that's a confusing name. I, I got nothing besides <laughs> that. But he he is the one that made Zach Wilson look so good and so many different times. So this entire receiving group is just, it's top tier to me from a fun perspective, from an entertainment perspective. They have every single level completely covered. I'm interested to see who kind of emerges as the wide receiver two, three, four out of this group. You heard it here first. Maddie Lane's player to watch is all of them. Correct. <laughs> Great team. Fun team. He, he loves this team. Matt, I do. Matt loves this team more than any other team that we've talked about. So this is far a very this is a very sad team to have to saddle up to, like given everything that's going on with this team recently. Like I don't yeah. like that part of it. However, this roster is a lot of fun. All right. How do the wash or how does the Washington football team beat the Chiefs? I think that's the way to say it. They're throwing us off there because they kind of got a burgundy. They got a soccery name there, you know. I can't say how do the Bills. It's how does Washington. I don't know. Anyways, the way that the Washington football team beats the Kansas City Chiefs is if it's a Ryan Fitzmagic game. If things get weird, Ryan Fitzmagic. I don't know what he majored in at Harvard, but I'm pretty sure he majored in weird football games. And he loves himself some weird football games. Something about maybe they're distracted by how the beard fits into that helmet or under the chin strap and they're just distracted. I don't know. But Ryan Fitzmagic has some weird games. And I think that's the only way is if Fitzmagic comes into play and this game just gets on, on its heels. It's weird. The only way that the Washington football team hangs in this game is if they can get to Patrick Mahomes with that ridiculously good front four. The Chiefs have invested a ton in this offensive line. I think we've seen them make a concerted effort to never have Mahomes running for his life again. But there are going to be some teams, like potentially this team, that is just going to be ridiculously hard to stop that from happening because they are that level of good. I think that they're going to be in Mahomes' face with four all game long, especially if they get like Jameen Davis blitzing off the edge as well. I think that they can bring a pretty mean pass rush all game long. That might be the first time this year that we really see a team get to Mahomes often enough to where he might have to you know, pull some of the magic out of his hat that we've seen him do over the past couple of seasons. The, the football team has to be kind of hoping that the Chiefs offensive line by this point in time isn't completely gelling. 
Because if that happens, if you're getting to week six and that offensive line isn't gelling, this is the worst possible matchup you could see because they roll five or six deep of guys that can win one-on-ones versus really good offensive linemen. So I'm looking especially at the right side of the Chiefs offensive line, whoever's going to play right guard, whoever's going to play right tackle they are going to be in for a mountain of a matchup versus Montez Sweat or Chase Young or Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Matt Ionis. Like There's so many guys. They will put all of them on top of the weaker right side of the Chiefs offensive line and really make it hard on Patrick Mahomes. You then work into the secondary. They have two corners that are very capable of matching up for short periods of really good receivers in William Jackson and Kendall Fuller. They can make it really difficult for the Chiefs if that offensive line isn't on their P's and Q's by this point in time, if that quicker passing game isn't ready to go. There is a path to success for this team beating just about everybody. Just, you know, you do worry about their offensive line and quarterback. All right, Craig, who's the Chiefs MVP against the Washington football team? I mean, I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can make that second level miss, because you're going to see this defensive line that's very good pinning their ears back a little bit. They're going to be trying to get after Mahomes. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can make guys miss on the second level, I think we're going to see a lot both in the run and the passing game that he can really create do some damage and maybe get some of that tough yardage because I do think that we're going to see, you know, some doubles on Travis Kelsey, some doubles on Tyree kill. You need that third guy that can be a man beater against a four man rush. I think that Clyde Edwards, Aguilera can be that guy for the chiefs this week. For me, I think that you have to be looking at Chris Jones. I think if there is a person that I feel the most confident that will be playing off the right-hand side of the offense, it will be Chris Jones, the defensive end, working against either Sam Cosme, switching from left tackle to right tackle as a rookie, or working against a, a Cornelius Lucas. I think that's a matchup right there that could very much lead you into being the MVP, not named Patrick Mahomes. That seems to be the most logical route to go. However, my heart's going to get the better of me, and I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey because I don't see anybody on the football team that can actually <laughs> slow him down. I love the bit. For me, Maddie kind of just touched on it, not the Kelsey part, but earlier in, uh, when we were talking about how this team beats the Chiefs. It's the, it's the offensive line. This is an opportunity. This is a big test, uh, a, a, a test against not a playoff team probably, but a front that is of the caliber of a playoff team, the defense. Fighting words. Hey, Matt, it's magic in the playoffs. Come on, let's just be realistic. Uh, but I do think this this uh, this defensive line is going to present big challenges up front for an offensive line that will be, you know, five games into the mix here. Uh, Maddie talking about them gelling by now. This is an opportunity. This is a big test for for all of that to see if they're, um, you know, how they're gelling, if they've been able to to make progress as a group by then. This is a huge challenge for them. And I'm really excited about it. It's one of those, it's, 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 it's a big test. The Bills tried to add to their front for week five, but week six, this group has some dudes. And I'm really geeked out to see the, the front of the Washington football team against an improved Kansas City offensive line. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check out everything going on with KC Sports Network. We appreciate you. Catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.